Hello, and welcome to the Life in Red podcast, lifeinredpodcast.com, at Life in Red Podcast, coincidentally, on Facebook and Instagram, and Life in Red Pod on Twitter. My guest today, we can do a really philosophical discussion on Buddhism, uh, and I don't get enough people on here talk about you know philosophy and life and i just love those chats because there's they broaden perspective and they just they make you think and you can really go deep and take into any direction that you want and uh that's what i really appreciate about this and buddhism is one of those uh religions and practices that i think is glamorized in certain ways and um i guess stereotyped where my guest runs a, a website, podcast, uh, a social media presence business called The Unusual Buddha. And like me, I love people who don't fit into t- traditional boxes. That when I think of something versus how people actually apply it, you know, you think that they have a certain look or they have a certain way about them. And really, it just shows you that everything's for everyone in a certain way and you can interpret it the way you want to and apply it to your life. And that's what I really appreciated about this. So we talk about Buddhism, we talk about philosophy, we talk about how that applies to life and politics and and all sorts of different things. So please give it up for the unusual Buddha, Jim Martin. Take the red pill. You stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Welcome to the Life in Red. I've never had that voice happen. I don't even know if that's going to show up. Wow. Okay, that took me by surprise. <laughs> First uh, edit. <laughs> Jim, nice to meet you, man. Thanks for hopping on here. Thanks for having me, man. It's good to good to finally uh, put the the face to the to the name and, yeah. and actually get to talk to you. It's great to see you. We've been friends for on Twitter for the last little bit, and the best part about our Twitter friendship is it came over a bond on mustaches. And you have yes for those who mustaches are, unite us. Who are, for those who aren't watch, <laughs> watching on YouTube and listening, Jim has a very beautiful, full bodied mustache. I, uh, I like to put that in all of my social media. So I put, you know, like a uh, meme maker and husband and all that, you know, and, and, and owner of, uh, or mustache enthusiast or, or, or mustache uh, wrangler. So, you know what I mean? It sounds kind of weird. I feel like I might be attracting the wrong attention sometimes, but uh, you know, usually <laughs> when I grow a mustache, everyone's just like, Oh yeah. You could be a porn star. I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty much. I mean, but that's like the one thing that's the one way that I could fit into that realm. Uh, I really got nothing else to take me there. So um how you know i love to ask this question especially for people who aren't in in canada uh you're you're in the states and what i find so fascinating right now is here in ontario we are still in total lockdown like i cannot go to the store and buy socks that it's not a thing Mm -hmm. uh whereas i was watching uh vegas in colorado play uh in the playoffs and that vegas had a like a full full arena eighteen thousand people and i'm like what is like our two countries are so different right now. Like, so, you know, how has the pandemic been for you? And like, how are things now that it seems that America is like pretty much over with it? Yeah, I, I think it's a little, I, th- I think we're ending things a little prematurely. Um, I know, uh, let me take it back to the, the beginning of the pandemic for us. Um, I had my fourth child in March of 2020. 
we made it out of the hospital about a week before the lockdown started. So, um, you know, again, we've had babies. We, we know what it's like. Two of them are, uh, are autistic. So we, you know, we, we know the aspect of, of special needs, um, you know, you know, we have an 11 year old, so it's not, you know, we have a good range. We we've, we've done this before. Uh, it was the, by far the most stressful thing. Um, we were kind of rushed to get out cause there was, you know, grumblings of, uh, COVID here and there. And, you know, we got out, everything was fine. The birth went great. Uh, you know, I got the time off from work and all those things. And, uh, yeah, I think within a week they had, um, they were calling school. The school was calling us to come get the kids, you know, come get my daughter. Cause she's the only one going to school at the time. And, uh, you know, they're gonna start shutting down schools and they're going to start, you know, everything got crazy. And there was this like air of fear. And like we talked about, I live in a tiny little town, but there's a lot of, um, government employees here. So like a lot of people will, um, work for the department of defense, but live here or they'll, uh, you know, commute from, I live in Culpeper, Virginia. If it, you know, if anybody's looking for a tiny town to ignore, um, I live in Culpeper and, and all that stuff happens in, uh, around Washington and, and Arlington and places like that. Um, but yeah, there was definitely like an air of, um, of, of, of fear. And, um, you know, it was just, it was an odd experience because I was sitting out talking to a guy that was like stocking tomatoes at the grocery store. And I was like, Hey man, you may want to, I don't know if you're able to get to the news at all, but they're shutting schools down. And he's like, Oh my God. And then, you know, the, the whole toilet paper thing hit. Uh, I don't know if that's, that was a global thing, but that was pretty scary to see, uh, people spazzing over toilet paper, but, um, you know, it's, it's largely been good, I, I guess. Uh, and what you call one of the, um, you know, essential workers or sacrificial workers, depending on how you want to phrase that. Um, the whole time, my, my day job, I'm a, I'm a firefighter. So we actually, um, you know, though the hospital personnel, uh, you know, do work with people directly, very directly that are ill, we have to go get them from the wild. So um, that tends to be, in my mind, a little more dangerous because we're usually packed in and um, though where I work exactly in my county isn't uh, the most urban or the, or the most uh, closely packed. We do spend a lot of time in close quarters with people. And it was odd to where these are guys I've worked with for probably three or four years. You know, we sleep next to each other practically, but I have to wear a mask at all times. And you know what I mean? So it made it really weird. And then there was the you know policies changing all the time. So that made it kind of weird. Um, you know, obviously I'm sure everyone has their, tales of woe through the time, uh, you know, through, through COVID, but, uh, it was, it was definitely tough and definitely, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of time to work on the unusual Buddhist stuff. Uh, as far as, um, you know, nobody, um, I, we had a scare at my station a couple of times, a couple of people got really sick. Um, but, uh, you know, other than that, it hasn't been, I, I'll put it this way. There are probably worse stories people could have of, COVID though mine is not great. There's, there's, I don't feel like I'm by anywhere close to the worst uh, rendition of, of, of how it went, but uh, you know, it's, it, it's scary to me that they are un, undoing things so fast here. Um, I, I, I'm not saying we have to go maybe not as extreme as you guys are there in Canada. Um, but I feel like there has to be like a medium. I feel like we are, you know, somebody just decided like, eh, fuck it. We're done. Like, I don't, I don't feel like this anymore. Um, you know, Cause we've got, Restaurants are opening, uh, outdoor areas are, you know, optional again. And, and it's just insane the amount of uh, undoing. And I understand it's good for the economy and whatever else, but uh, it seems like a little soon, you know what I mean? They just told us to, you know, we still, still got to wear masks, but, you know, get your vaccine. And I don't know, it's just an odd dynamic. Yeah. 
correct me if I'm wrong. Virginia is, I would, what, like a, de- I think I went Democrat, right? This last election, yeah, but yeah. traditionally it's kind of a swing state. Like it could. Uh, yeah. Generally away. speaking, most of um, Northern Virginia is, is the, the uh, bluer parts and then everywhere South uh, is the red part. So they've been, I think traditionally a purple state. Right. Uh, but this time we were, were very, uh, went, went very blue. Um, I mean, and especially you work with the public, but what has been like, I mean, the response that you've seen from people, cause I'm always curious where, where I am, it's uh, like, we have like predominantly most people are very like pro vaccine um, believe in, you know, COVID and, and all that stuff. But we do have a large swath of people who, who are anti-vax and who are, you know, COVID's a conspiracy, all that type of stuff. We're not quite as bad as Alberta, but, you know, Ontario <laughs> is, 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 you know, rough in, in some patches because we're very, very rural um, outside of, you know, Toronto and Ottawa and, and a couple of other southern cities here. What's it like? What's it been like in Virginia? Has there been a lot of like protests, a lot of, you know, people not wearing masks, all that type uh, of stuff? Or has it been pretty compliant? Uh, yeah, there's, so I feel like lo- by and large, it's been mostly pretty compliant. I know a lot around, around where I live, um, people are still wearing masks, um, even after the, the latest CDC guideline of, uh, you know, you can wear, you don't have to wear one if you're vaccinated and those kind of things. Um, so I would say com- compliance is uh, 50-50, but obviously they, they can't ask, nobody can ask to see your uh, vax card, but um, they can you know, businesses can, you know, same thing with the, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, I'm sure it's similar in Canada, but like the no shirt, no shoes, no service thing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one of the signs It's very common to put on a, a store um, here and uh, they can, they can add that to their little um, requirements to come in. So you have to wear a mask. You have to be, you know, spaced out because <clears throat> nobody, no business here is obligated to serve you, I guess, if that makes sense. So businesses still have the right to, um, you know, deny service for whatever they want here it's uh, mandated not to cut you off but really here is it yeah it's like a bylaw like you uh you have to wear one there's it's not an option and that's that's what it was for us until until not so long ago um there were still people that weren't or there were people that were trying to pull the shirt over there you know like trying to get away with stuff um for the most part it's been fairly compliant i i think at least around here um, the, the big issue and, and as far as like having like, I, I say somewhat because I, I, I wouldn't fancy myself or like a, a, a learned man of science, but uh, there's a lot of um, comorbidities here. So we have a lot of people with uh, CHF, COPD, diabetes, you know what I mean? Like all those other mm. factors that like COVID by itself sucks. It's really bad. Obviously, you know, respiratory situations are tough, but when you couple that with things like, uh, you know, high body weight, high cholesterol, uh, you know, like I said, all the, all those other things that make people unhealthy. Um, I think that hit home for a lot of people because there's a lot of, you know, there's a pretty large elder community, you know, especially around here. Cause it's like a, a, though it's a small town, a lot of people that live here have lived here for a long time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I think largely it's been pretty compliant, but there were times like my early on, uh, my wife went to the target nearby target of all places, which I feel like that's probably like a, if you were to pick like a, Democrat sponsored store. I, I feel like that would be like the bluest red store you could find around. Um, there was a little like, uh, 
I don't know if you call them like a gang or whatever, but there's a little, little tussle people going through, like, take your masks off, take your masks off. It's a conspiracy. And they're like, you know, going through as a herd through the store, um, you know, telling people it's all fake and stuff. But uh, I feel like enough people that uh, had somebody at home that was, I guess what you call like immunocompromised. Um, there were enough of those stories that got out that, that that person got sick or something happened to that person. Uh, that people started to get pretty compliant. Um, mm. And honestly, I've always been of the mind like that, you know, if you see people on the, online complaining about, uh, oh, why are you wearing your mask in your car? Like, I can fuck where you wear it. I, you know, I really don't. Like, you're grown. Like, you, I do whatever the fuck I want in my car. I suggest you do the same. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I always wore it probably to a point of being um, a little overcautious just because of, uh, like I said, the baby and uh, not a lot of information about like what happens to little ones. And I know I would feel like absolute dog shit if I brought it home. And, you know, cause largely I did the shopping, I did the, you know, taking out the trash and I have to go to work every day, all those kind of things. Um, I don't know that I could look at myself the same knowing that I brought it home because I was the, uh, the lifeline to, you know, shore or whatever you want to call it. So um I, I wore it. I was 100% compliant myself, except for a couple occasions. But uh, the as far as in the area, largely compliant. Mm. Um, there were some people, as far as that I work with, that like you said, you know, it's a conspiracy. It's the pandemic and all this kind of thing. They're testing our behavior to see if we can handle isolation. And there was all kinds of like conspiracy stuff. Um, I, I I I don't know. I just know there was people that I loved that uh, I didn't want to get sick, and there were mm. people that uh, you know coworkers that. I uh, love their family members and didn't want them to get sick because they're, you know, various degrees of immunocompromised. So, right. um, you know, like I said, largely, largely compliant. That's, and then I guess that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, the reason you're on is not to talk about pandemic and COVID, but <laughs> all very interesting in the dynamics of our two countries and how they handle it. Uh, you mentioned it, the unusual Buddha, uh, is, yes. you know, your other project. And I find that's why I wanted to have you on. Cause that's so fascinating. Um, you it's have, way cooler than it sounds. <laughs> wait, it's way. funny because you're, you know, you, you mentioned you're a firefighter, which is very, very macho, right? Like that's a very yeah. manly job. We're lifting and, you know, yeah. risking your life and pick things you up. Have the unusual Buddha, which is not necessarily not manly, <laughs> but that's very like, you know, in perception, it's very Zen. It's very, you know, introspective. Yeah. You know, what is it for, for one, and, and how did you get into this thing of starting it? Uh, so the, the Unusual Buddha is, um, it's a website I made probably about eight years ago. We're, we're getting right about there now. Um, I've always been interested in philosophy and those kind of things, uh, but I've never been interested in the pitches. Like uh, Jack Cornfield is a great, you know, author. He's world renowned. Uh, you know, I, I don't know of too many people that do what I do that you could ask, mention his name and them not know him. I just don't like the way he does things. I don't like the sing-songy voices. I don't like, um, I don't want to say it's soft because, you know, picture myself as a manly man. Uh, before I was a, um, before I was a firefighter, I was a mechanic. So, you know, I've had like a lot of uh, blue collar, tough guy type uh, background uh, experience, but uh, though I myself am very soft and very gentle, but uh, the, um, I just never liked the the pitch. I never liked how they were doing it. I never liked, what it was. So, uh, you know, I, I was into uh, my first experience with meditation was when I was 17. Um, 
and I was into it then. Uh, I picked it back up when I was 24. So obviously there's a bit of a gap there. But again, I, I noticed myself uh, as I climbed into it further into the philosophies of Buddhism and things like that, I was getting like, I'm a pretty fun person. I like to make jokes. I like to, you know, I'm a people person. Uh, I noticed myself getting drier and more um, aloof, I guess. Uh, and that wasn't me. So I, you know, took a step back. I kind of examined what I was doing. Uh, the, I actually, um, the first page I made, uh, you know, the first public presence I made doing this uh, was, I can't believe it's not Buddha. And the idea was to make jokes so that I could deflate my own ego hmm. so that I could um, kind of, I think the, the British have a phrase called, uh, you know, take the piss out of it. That was kind of the thing is I wanted to um, stop making it so serious because uh, mo the more I looked online and I, you know, I'm, I'm more into Facebook groups. I, I would rather, uh, even if it's online, I would rather have a conversation with you than to Google it. You know what I mean? I would rather, I learn better that way with the human dynamic on the other side. So the idea was to sit down and, and you know, talk to people and find people that were, you know, maybe in my position or maybe um, a little further along so I could learn and, you know, appreciate Buddhism and, and, and the philosophy therein. And a lot of people are really douchey about it, like really painfully, like hurtful to new people. Like, because you're mad at me because I don't know how to make my keyboard make Sanskrit. Like, I, I don't understand how you could do that. This is a, this philosophy, even if you follow it to 1% of what it is, uh, that, that is like the antithesis of it. And here you are, you know, you're, you're berating somebody because they didn't have enough uh, syllables to the word or whatever. Um, so that's where I started with, uh, you know, making jokes about meditation. And then um, I tried to keep that one a little bit, uh, I guess, PG. And then um, I was having the issue of that, that also wasn't me. Um, so then I started um, uh, doing the unusual Buddha and that one's a little bit more unhinged. Uh, we say, we say very naughty F words all the time. Um, you know, there's, there's uh, an emphasis on simplicity, but also on not denying who you are. Um, I feel like, like I said, uh, I, I swear because that's how I communicate. Like that's just a part of my person. Um, it, I wouldn't, uh, you know, if I, if, if I was, with your family or something like that, I would probably try and tone it down if, if, you know, if you asked or, or, you know, even without you asking, but uh, by and large, if left to my own devices, I'm going to swear, I'm going to, you know, it's just kind of how I communicate. And um, yeah, that's, that's mainly the idea of the unusual Buddha is to uh, get people to be exposed to meditation in a very simple, very fun way, um, less judgment uh, and just trying to sort of deflate the, I guess, spiritual based ego that kind of tends to come with this stuff. Um, I try to keep it very, you know, free of the woo woo kind of thing. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you're in Rome, you kind of got to do as the Romans do. Um, but largely I just wanted to take it and make it make sense and make it make sense to people that uh, were usually at the fringes. Cause I had a lot of friends that were into philosophy and those kind of things, but nobody likes those, you know, now we will sit gently mm -hmm. in a field, you know what I mean? Those kind of, uh, mm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like if that's how you're, you know, how you dig it and, and, and the relaxation of it, uh, that's great, but not everybody's going to get that. Not everybody's going to be able to work in that. And, and that was the idea was to one, make it funny two make it relatable and, uh, and three, just to have fun with it. And I think mm -hmm. that that's, uh, that's sort of the, hub around it all. Um, you and I actually met recently because uh, I, or I don't want to say because, but after I had switched all my Twitter stuff to my personal self, uh, 
um, because I was noticing I was boxing myself in with putting, you know, the logo on everything, uh, you know, cause sometimes I, I do like to talk about other things, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was, it was cool to like talk to a person and, and have my avatar be a person, um, which I hadn't had that before on Twitter. So, um, but yeah, largely that's, that is the, the journey, the purpose, uh, what I'm trying to do. It's basically like uh, every man's meditation. I don't mean man to exclude women. I mean, every, every person's meditation course um, or, or meditation effort, uh, because I think there is value in this for everybody, not just, uh, I don't know if there's a stereotype in, in Canada, but uh, here in America, the, the stereotype is usually that the Buddhism is called the middle path. Um, generally, they call it the, uh, the, the phrase, and Gleig actually coined it, called the upper middle path. So usually people that are a little bit more uh, affluent or, you know, richer folk can get this uh, more so. And um, that's another thing I'm trying to bring it down to everybody's level with, again, jokes and humor and memes and, and, and things like that. What I love about this is even when I asked the question, I said that it gives the perception of like that Zen, that very much grounded, like you, I thinking of, you know, the monk in the Tibetan mountains, yeah. like that's the perception of Buddhism, whereas, you know, you're presenting and, and what, why I love it so much is I love when people don't like just go into the boxes, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. whereas like, I'm, I'm a mental health advocate and speaker. So I talk about some serious shit in my life yeah. in general, but I'm like, that's not all who I am. And I don't want to present myself in a way that, you know, I'm, I was just sitting there depressed and, and thinking, yeah, about you're not defined by it. You've exactly. been through it. You're not like, defined by it. Yeah. I like to make jokes. I like to joke about being single, like all that different stuff. Yeah. Would you say like, I know the unusual Buddha, but like, are you like in terms of like the actual religion? Like, are you, I don't know if there's like a confirmation, like in Catholicism <laughs> or anything, but like, or is it just like more of like a, just like an enjoyment type thing and it just benefits uh, so- your life? Officially speaking, there is like you take ordination and it's a very, uh, you know, there's, there's it's a very ritualized process and you, you know, you, you go and you get your robes and you hand them to your teacher and your teacher hands them back to you and you want or, or you are ordained. That's if you want to become like an actual monk and you want to live on the premises and things like that. Um, I'm not that obviously. Um, I did attend classes. There's a temple uh, not too far from where I live. Um and their Theravada temple. And that is like uh, the Buddhist equivalent of like Orthodox. Like they're like the old school, um, original school of Buddhism. Uh, you can be a lay follower. You can take, um, and that's just like, means like regular people. Um, and you can take an ordination of that kind. I did not uh, mainly because my experience there probably wasn't the greatest. Uh, the the monk I worked with was fantastic, but uh, he, he and I both uh, parted ways. And he said, when I go, um, don't come back. And I was like, why? He, he said, well, because they've been after your money this entire time. I was taking classes with him uh, once, if not twice a week for two years. And he said, they have been after me to get your money since you started here. He's like, don't, uh, you know, and, and I, it wasn't like I was a cheapskate. I brought like food. He's mm-hmm. he was always telling me to bring things to support people. So I bring like food, toothbrush, toilet paper, to- you, know, you know, like normal food, people stuff, um, toiletries and those kind of things. And, um, he would, uh, you know, that, that was always, he would always encourage that and those kind of things. But, uh, he said they were largely after the money. Um, so I never took any real, he never put any emphasis on it. So I don't have like any, you know, uh, you might 
see a lot of people online that have like a cool Zen name or, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have that. I don't have, I didn't, like I said, I never took ordination. Um, largely everything I know about Buddhism and, and, and the philosophy of it has been through like an undisciplined um, dive into it. You know what I mean? So when I, I looked into it, I read into it, I, I got the books, I, um, you know, I just dove in and, and like I said, the most undisciplined way you can. Uh, and I, and so what I usually tell people is I am non-sectarian Buddhist. I don't celebrate like when Vasak day, Vasak day was a recent holiday, Buddhist holiday. Um, that was kind of news to me. I don't really celebrate. I don't, um, you know, I still go to the temple occasionally. It's been a while now, uh, cause of the kids, but, uh, you know, I, I just don't, um, I don't get into that aspect. I keep it in more of a, and I say non-sectarian, I wouldn't say, um, secular uh or non-secular just because uh there is an element of buddhism where people don't believe in any of the the mythology or they call it mythology but any of the fantastic tales of of buddhism i'm not quite there um personally i i, I do think there's a, at least at minimum there's value in a lot of these miraculous stories but um you know i don't i don't focus on them because at the end of the day whatever the buddha did to stop an elephant uh that was going to smash him that doesn't really have a lot of pertinence to me now. You know what I mean? Other than the value of the story or, or those kind of things, uh, you know, those things don't really affect me. So yes, I'm Buddhist, but like I said, I would, I would call it non-sectarian and um, you know, I kind of like to meander through the traditions because I find a lot of value in each of them. And my teacher was actually very um, supportive of that kind of mentality. He used to tell me, and I'm, the more I tell people the, the little euphemisms he gave me, the more I find they're like from things uh, but he, he would tell me that um, Buddhism as a whole is like a tree and some people find value in the bark and some people find value in the branches and the leaves and the, the various components of the tree. Um, but it doesn't matter. It's the same tree. And that's, that's what he used to say. And he, he equated like the different schools of Buddhism to the same thing. Cause uh, largely, and this was a, a really cool aspect of Buddhism is uh, if you are um you know, pure land Buddhist, you're just as welcome at a Theravada temple as anyone else. So they, they, they don't, um, I'm sure it happens in places and things like that, but they don't, uh, the sects are not uh, so rigid or uh, it's not like a gang fight when you have two different groups show up or whatever. You don't have to do the snapping, uh, you know, knife fights and stuff, all that. So um, they, they're more welcoming across the groups. And like I said, I, I just don't, um, I don't get into the individual sects. I find value in all of it. Yeah. It's more of like a, the philosophy of the religion and yeah. everything like that, rather than the actual practice at its core. I mean, it's, you could go probably in a million different ways with this, but like, you know, Cole's notes, what is Buddhism? Because I think a lot of people generalize it in a, in a yeah. sort of, like I said, that monk, in the temple, like the meditation, like what is, but like, what is the actual, like, what are some of the things that preaches it follows it practices? Uh, so largely the, the, the biggest thing that uh, people don't understand about Buddhism is, you know, yes, there is, there, there are uh, monastics and things like that, but uh, largely, you know, it's, it's, a, it can't expand if there's only a monk community, you know what I mean? There's only so far uh, uh, just the, the power of the word is going to spread the thing. Uh, but as far as like tenets that they that, that Buddhism follows, um, the one that really blew my mind and, and I think encapsulates it well is the Four Noble Truths. Um, the first one being the universality of suffering. So um, whether it is uh, 
you know, to whatever degree, wherever you're stationed in life, if you are born the poorest of the poor or the richest of the rich, uh, suffering is universal. We all know that. And, and a lot of the times they'll use um, different wording. Um, the, this world that we live in is called samsara. Um, this, this world that's subject to birth and death and those kind of things, uh, which bring on suffering. Um, but that is, that is something that blew my mind personally, uh, because the universality of it, I never really thought of that when I was, again, I, I picked this stuff up initially when I was 17 is that, you know, and again, this could just be a self-absorbed teenager, but, uh, you never really thought about that, that Ryan has his own world and his own concerns and his own pains and his own everything. And, and so does Jim and so does, you know, Tina and so does Sally and, and, and all these people all have their own, um, they all know it. We all know what suffering is. We've all, and again, who knows to what degree, maybe, maybe I have not suffered one tenth of a percent of what you have, but nonetheless, I know what that feels like. And, and, um, that's one of the things that, that first, like really, you know, kind of took me back, like, wow, like I've, how dense am I? I never really thought of that, that, the, the, my suffering is not the only suffering that it's everybody's got suffering. Um, and again, this is like the intro teaching to, to Buddhism. But um, the second noble truth is that uh, we suffer because we desire. And a lot of people take that to mean that, uh, oh, you know, Buddhism, you have to like be this like formless, shapeless piece of crap and just float through life. And that's not at all the case. Um, what the, what they're saying is, or what the Buddha was saying is that if you want things to be different than they are or than they can be, you'll cause your own pain. So, um, you know, if I want, uh, you know, I, if I, I, uh, I want to be rich and famous, um, if that's what I want, uh, one, it's, it's difficult to get there. Um, two, it's, it's difficult to maintain once people, you know, how many movie stars have you seen that like fall off or whatever like that? Um, that is an amount of suffering. That is a difficult problem you are bringing on yourself. So, um, you know, not only are you the, the jailer, but you're also the person in the jail. Uh, you've created this situation for yourself that is painful. And like I said, it's people try to make it seem so, um, I guess, uh, defined as, as suffering is equivalent to want. And there are good wants. There are things that are neutral to desire for, uh, desire itself, uh, is ambivalent, but, uh, people, that's another, uh, one of those like misnomers people make, like, uh, you know, it's okay to be hungry, you know, like I'm, I'm hungry. I desire to eat. Um, but you don't have to sit there and go like, oh man, we're going to have like pepperoni pizza. We're going to have, you know, it's going to have basil on the crust or, you know what I mean? Like very, um, exacting and specific ways, because when you want for very exact and specific, things or circumstances, you're actually setting yourself up to be disappointed, mm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if, if, you know, back to the pizza analogy, if, you know, if I want my pizza has got to be just so, and it's got to have the right kind of uh, sauce and it's got to have the, you know, I like the stuffed crust pizza. And then when you get there and if it's not all of those 11 things that you desired, well, then it's like, oh man, it's not stuffed crust. It's not, you know, there's no dipping sauce. It's bullshit. Like, you know what I mean? Like there's that element that we have set this up for ourselves because we wanted it a very exact way. There's nothing wrong with being specific and what you want. Just know that that is what brings you to that point of um, things being deficient for you. This, I'm not trying to interrupt here. I'm going to get to those other two, but 
that reminds me and, and i mentioned about joking about being single like that reminds me of dating right now <laughs> we have this paradox of choice of like so many things that we we desire such specificness in a partner and if anybody doesn't match that exact thing that we're looking for you know we pass it off to the side even though they could have been great for us we could have been a great match we could have been anything we're like yeah oh well he's everything but he's got red hair and not brown hair and it it's got to be brown hair and he's five nine he's not six four exactly yeah and that we we end up hurting and struggling and, you know, becoming depressed or anxious or yeah. have no faith in dating because we, we put these desires so specifically on a pedestal. Like, yeah, yeah. And it's almost, it's almost impossible to find that match. Yeah. And that's, I and just, that's, that's exactly yeah. what I thought of. That's awesome. Cause, and that's a good analogy. And, and it's funny cause it's different for each person. Um, you know, it's one of the things I like to tell people about Buddhism is that Buddhism recognizes that all things are possible. That like the entire, like anything you can think that shit could happen at any time. The only problem is it's not likely, you know what I mean? So like, you know, is flight possible? Sure. But like, it's not very likely that I'm going to go outside and just like, you know, ascend into the sky. It's just not likely. And and, and that's the thing is we are wanting things to be different uh, than they could possibly be in their nature, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, flight is not something I can do without a machine or without, you know, like hot air balloon or something. Um that's not something that is possible for me to do uh, down to like talking about relationships, relationships. Another point of suffering is that uh, we want to be connected with one another and we never want to separate the nature of everything is impermanence. We're, we're going, this relationship is going to end just like this interview is going to end just like this camera I'm talking to you on is going to eventually break down, you know, phones, devices, relationships, people, everything has to end. And, and to want it to be different than that is to, basically heap the suffering onto yourself. That's the problem is we, we tend to desire things that are outside of their nature. Mm. If that makes sense. So mm-hmm. it, um, it never could be that for you. You know what I mean? And that's, and that's kind of what Buddhism is. Buddhism is trying to acknowledge the reality of the situation or of the uh, circumstances or whatever the case may be that uh, you know, you got to be realistic, I guess, without being, I don't say it's like, it's not negative because a lot of people try to take it into a negative place because, uh, you know, there's also like the five precepts, the things you don't do this stuff, you know, the kind of like commandments sort of, um, uh, people try to paint it all in a negative picture. And it's, it's really not, there's really, uh, I guess you, you have to look at the, uh, the flip side of the coin there, but, um, be realistic as as, and pragmatic as opposed to being pessimistic, you know, yeah. acknowledging that, you know, like you said, like everything is comes to an end. Yeah. But at the same time, not sitting there being like, oh, everything's going to end. And now there's no point. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's the problem is a lot of people try to take it to that superlative degree mm-hmm. that uh, it, it, it's just not even meant that way. Uh, like one of my favorite uh, stories. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's a, a, a I think he's Thai. No, he's Laotian, I think. But anyway, um, there's a writer. Um, ah, damn it. Now it's a John Cha. John Cha uh, talks to a lot of famous people. He actually taught uh, Jack Cornfield and, and gave him his ordination and all those things. Um, but he has an analogy of a cup. And he's like, this cup is, you know, this cup is my favorite cup. And I look at it and I like the way the, the light hits it. And it's, it's beautiful. And, it, and it, you know, it, it fits my hands just nice and I can drink from it. And it's just, it's a wonderful cup. But um, 
one day I set the cup on the edge of the table and I knock it off with my elbow. And, you know, depending on how attached I am to that cup, that could be a devastating moment for me. Uh, and, and that's what he's saying is, is he initially gets this cup knowing that no matter how much he loves it, someday he's going to have to separate with it, whether he dies or whether he you know, can no longer lift it or whether he gives it to a friend or it falls off the table uh, from the moment he got it uh, dictated that there would be a moment he would be without. And, and that is kind of the idea is that, uh, like you said, is to knowing that this, this relationship has like a, a termination point, a point that it's going to end. Why not appreciate it? Why not admire it in the sunlight and, and look at the great picture and, and all those things? Why not truly appreciate it while you have it? Just know that someday you won't. And because it's, you know, if we really get down to it, it's not really yours. You know what I mean? Mm. In, in, in the universal sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. What were those? That, so we covered the two. Yes. Yeah, so so already are two. like. Yeah. <laughs> so the universality of suffering, uh, desire as, as cause. And then uh, it, it kind of makes sense if you eliminate your desire or you, and we've already kind of talked about that a little bit. If you um, sort of reframe your desires, uh, you can actually live a very pleasant life. You know, humanity is uh, this world, you know, depending on how in depth you want to get with Buddhism, there's, uh, you know, there's a whole cosmos, there's uh, hells, there's heavens, there's all kinds of stuff in between. Uh, a lot of it's an alliteration for um or I should say an illustration for uh, life here now. But uh, yeah, the, the third noble truth is to um, reframe your desire and that will help you uh, reframe your suffering and, and how you feel about everything. And that's that was like that analogy with the cup. Uh, that's kind of what you're trying to do is you're trying to um, reframe how you look at things uh, based on what you know about impermanence and selflessness and, um, those kind of concepts. I and mean, there's a lot that, oh man, I wish I, I, I could sit, I could send you links to things and, and things <laughs> that I've made and, and stuff like that. Cause a lot of it's very um, on its surface, it seems very complex, but uh, there's, there's, it's, it's fairly simplistic once you break into it. Um, and the fourth one, the fourth one is always the one I, I, it's almost like a sales pitch where it drags you further in. Uh, Cause the fourth one is that the, the, the fourth uh, noble truth is that, uh, to escape from suffering, to escape from the wheel of, of continued rebirth, um, you follow the Eightfold Noble Path, which is a whole nother, uh, you know, set of, uh, I don't want to say rules, but another uh, set of ideals to, to follow and use. And it's, you know, right concentration, um, right speech, right livelihood, you know, so there's, it's almost like, uh, sort of like commandments a little bit, mm. but um basically it's just different avenues and, and ways to uh, look at your life to sort of um, improve yourself, to make yourself uh, more uh, inclined towards enlightenment or those kind of uh, enlightened behaviors. So that, that was, that was the one where I'd have to sit down. I'd have to have it in front of me because if I sit down and try and do it off memory, it's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, you know, there's a lot to be said about that, that whether you, choose to practice in the buddhist religion or you choose to you know study the philosophy of it uh you know really without knowing buddhism like you do or even really knowing it before outside of like a few things i can it resonated with me so much because you know this whole journey i've been on for the last year especially which i talk about on this podcast all the time um it's just living my life in a lot 
simpler of terms and, and without, without actually knowing it, like practicing some of those things were like, yeah, absolutely. You know, like a dumb cliche, not a dumb cliche, but just like a cliche of, you know, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Like things like that, just giving myself, you know, full heartedly unapologetically and my energy out there knowing that I might suffer from it, but knowing that my life will be a lot better for it because I've done those things and not reserved myself from it because I was afraid of the suffering. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's, that's one of the things I love about Buddhism is it's, it's not about superhumanity. It's not about, uh, you know, the things you see, like the, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to levitate and I'm going to, you know, walk through walls and all these like you hear miraculous things and, and, I feel like there is some of that out there. I'm sure to, you know, every uh, legend has a a drop of truth in it, but uh, largely it's about living out this human life in as full a way as you can. Uh, As far as uh, like, especially when I talk to like meditation students, um, feeling out an experience, you know, yes, you are sad. And and that has a, um, you know, a value that draws you away from your center line. Uh, but what are what is it at its edges? What is it like in circumference? What is it like in depth? What is it like in in breadth? What is it? You know what I mean? Like as far as the entirety of your experience, that is what the Buddha taught was to examine all of it. Is that it's all there for you to look at? It's all there for you to observe, and it's all there for you to learn from. And the the largest thing that I take away from it is to get off of autopilot, to get mm. off of that ho hum. You know, like you said, you know, you're going to feel suffering. Suffering sucks. And, 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 you know, pain, whether it's romantic or physical or whatever the case is, it hurts and it's awful. But at the same time, it's if it was all pleasant all the time, it, it wouldn't have any context. It wouldn't make any sense. So, you know, one of those um, another saying I like to use is the, is the clouds frame the sky. If if, uh, you know, the sky was always blue all the time, there w- it wouldn't really have any point of reference. You know what I mean? If there was only sky, it would just be just all blue and it would just be taken for granted. But the fact that there are clouds or there is weather or there are rainy days or those kind of things, the fact that there is um, some kind of difference, it gives you perspective. And like I said, it's uh, no, we don't want to wallow in the negative and we don't want to live in awful mind states, but you know, they, they are all um, there for a reason and they're all there for us to examine. And um like I said, to just really take use of this full human life to experience and learn and grow. Yeah. I, I was having a really deep day on Thursday and I, I went for a walk and I, I just was like recording some thoughts for TikTok for some stuff, but also just as like a live journal type nice. uh, exercise, little, but like old school vlogging. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Um, and it, I was talking about that, that, love loss and and not just talking about romantic love, but talking about, you know, loving your parents, loving a sibling, loving your dog, loving yourself, right. That, you know, we have love and grief and grief is perhaps one of the, if not the worst human experience you can have, right. Like heartbreak is awful and actually can kill you in some cases. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas love syndrome. Yep. Yeah. Right. But whereas love, is this beautiful, wonderful feeling where it f- seems like nothing else in this world really matters because you're just so full. You're just, yeah. you know, so much joy. And, but without the two, 
that if all you experienced it, like you, you know, and it goes and you hear this all the time that you don't appreciate it because it's always around. Whereas if yeah, it's taken for granted. Exactly. Yeah. And if you lose it, like it's the same thing. And if all you did was feel lost, well, there wouldn't be much point of living, but the reason for living to me is to experience that love, whatever that love is for. Um, But that like, that's what makes everything worth willing, but you need the, the yin and the yang you need the two yeah. to, uh, to a, that's like we talked about earlier that's why uh buddhism is, is called the middle path and, and a lot of people it's another misnomer a lot of people are like oh well <clears throat> you know it's 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 not hot it's not cold it's um the analogy is actually supposed to be and this is again from what i've heard i don't you know i wasn't there but uh the idea was more like when you when you walk down a path in in, in places like india where uh, the buddha would have walked all the time the middle path uh the middle of the road was actually the crown and if you look like some roads still do it now for drainage. So you're avoiding the trouble on the left, you know, the ditch, and you're avoiding the trouble on the right, which is, you know, another ditch. And you're, you're taking the middle because that's the high ground. Across the so you're not, um, you're not too far into suffering. You're not too far into uh, self-indulgence. You know, you're, you're right in the middle. There's a healthy ground in the middle. It's, it's compromise, not in that compromises, uh, you know, this lukewarm, uh, you know, lack of commitment, but compromise in that there's not a lot that's good for me all the way over here in self-indulgence. And there's not a lot that's good for me all the way over here in self-affliction, but somewhere in the middle, there's, you know, there's a healthy, you know, some people call it discipline. You can maintain a healthy relationship with the things on the sides uh, without having to, you know, again, go all in on, you know, again, weekend benders to, to Vegas are not going to help you become a better human being. And, um, you know, uh, beating yourself, uh, with whips and chains and, and, and those kind of things, uh, self-affliction, that's not going to help you either. There's somewhere in the middle. And I think that that's, uh, one of the mentalities I try to take from Buddhism into just about everything is there has to be, like you said, there has to be some sort of, uh, um, you know, uh, contrasting point you know what i mean like it has to be there or it loses context and that's i think one of the things that buddhism explores that that most other faiths don't is that you know there is a bad but there has to be you know what i mean or else or else the good would not make any sense or or there'd be no context there'd be no purpose to it like you said i mean it makes a lot of sense that um that the the coin has two sides and there's a reason for it you know what i mean do you think this could be applied in a way to the way our politics is kind of run right now. Um, you know, when I think about what social media and, and I mean, I don't have to tell you Donald Trump and, and <laughs> everything that's kind of happened in the last decade, uh, if not longer, where things are so polarized in, in so many cases yeah. and so many different disciplines that, you know, <laughs> Well, I am, I am a lib, like I am left. I am liberal. I believe in a lot of those ideals. There's still things where I'm like, I, I can't be all the way quote unquote left because, you know, sometimes it just gets a little too chaotic for me. Do you think, cause a lot of people don't want you to be in the middle right now uh, in a lot of cases, you know what I mean? And that's why yeah. I'm wondering if, if this can somehow be applied because right now being evil means you be, if you're, I'm not evil. It being in the middle kind of puts you in this like neutral status. Which, You're almost compliant. Yeah. Which people 
yeah. hate on both yeah. sides through like either like you're with me or against me right there's there's always that yeah. thing but then if you're walking the middle path especially when it comes to politics like i don't know is that like I, a philosophy think, you think about and this is this is the part about um doing the unusual buddha that's that's been i think i've learned a lot about myself through this is is i am a big fan of like the marketing aspect and as far as because i loved as a, as a kid we only had one year of it uh in, in high school the sociology mm-hmm. i love seeing people behavior it, like dynamics in a group and it's just it's fascinating to me to see how you know we're all born the same we, you know obviously it's a school you know so there's rich kids there's poor kids but you know similar circumstances there's a swing um but how we all shake out into these little groups and and and, and cliques and and you know there's the the goth kids and the, the the jocks and the whatever everybody has um i was always really fascinated with that and i feel like with with the unusual buddha i've been able to see that on a much grander scale as far as like uh behavior at at, at mass um I think my opinion with politics, with, um, you know, as far as like nasty comments online, those kind of things, um, I feel like what usually happens is we have the, the 2% of extremes on, on either end mm-hmm. and, and they're the loud ones. They're the ones that can yell and, and you know, like uh, do the Karen shit at the stores and, you know, throw things and fist fight and those sort of things uh, over toilet paper. Um, and then there's the, the rest of us that are in between that are kind of forced to suffer. I, I feel like it has to be a spectrum. There can't be, um, especially in the United States, I, I feel like the fact that we're playing this game of left and right is why it sucks, mm-hmm. is why we're allowing people to, <clears throat> I mean, I try not to get political because it, it's, it's very, um, like you said, it's very polarizing. It, it, it tends to get people upset in either direction. And if I lose followers, I lose followers. I'm, I'm, I'm not, playing a game in any of this. Um, I, f- I feel like um, there's a lot of times that we spend too much time in left and right. And I'm not saying that to be like libertarian or, you know, whatever else, but like there's things of the Democrat mindset that work well. There's things of the Republican mindset that work well, but to say that one side has the market cornered on good ideas is, is just short-sighted is in my mind, foolish. Um, there's a lot of things that, uh, you know, I don't know if you know this about at least firefighters uh, that I've been exposed to, though we have a union and we do Democrat things, a lot of them are super Republican. So, uh, I'm, I, I spend a lot of time being the odd man out, um, because I'm not quite as red as they are, but there are plenty of places I go to. I'm like, Hey, yo, what about, you know, this and that? And they're like, you know, Whoa, you're a little too Republican to be here. Um, you know, so there is that, that, I have kind of that odd man out syndrome myself, but uh, like, for instance, uh, I, I, um, one of the things I wanted to learn uh, for personal development this year is like how stocks work and how cryptocurrency works and and those kind of things, because, you know, school never taught me any of that stuff because, you know, some of it didn't even exist, but uh, I I just didn't know how money worked. So Mm -hmm. I wanted to learn that. And um, yeah, I, I, I bought into one of uh, was AMC and, and, you know, AMC had this big rocket ride and everyone's like, Woo! and, you know, so I finally sold and I, you know, I mean, like I, I put $20 in and it's worth like a hundred and something now. So it's not like I, you know what I mean? Like I didn't do like, like don't get me wrong, like on paper, that's freaking awesome. But uh, you know, it's, it's not like I'm, I'm not 
it's not fuck you money. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's, the Dogecoin guy who like yeah, oh, invested God. all his life savings. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure he wants to punch Elon in the mouth too. We can have that talk as well if you want, uh, <laughs> how I want to fight him. But uh, anyway, um, you know, like as far as the uh, Republican mindset, like I, I took the money and I, you know, I, I sold it because I, I didn't want to play that game anymore. I was tired of watching the roller coaster. So I took it. I'm going to do something else with it. And one of my friends, uh, who's a, a firefighter, he said, hey, uh, you know, all of the um, the government thanks you for funding a stimulus check. And I'm like, you know, that's a really fucked up thing to say to somebody because I, I don't know, like when when the first stimulus came, check came out, like that kept me from starving. Like that kept me feeding my kids. Like I'm OK with that. Like, you, mm-hmm. can, you know, like I don't is as weird as it may sound like. I'm not going to turn down the money because it's, you know, it's stuff I can use to feed mine, but I don't need all of it. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm okay with, uh, you know, giving up a couple bucks so that, uh, you know, so my neighbor can eat or, you know, my friend's kid can, you know, go to his special ed class or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't understand that mindset. And that's, that seems to be one of those things where um, these polarizing topics, like we've, we, one, uh, one thing I don't like is we've created a situation where if you don't agree with me, you are evil. Mm-hmm. We've created that good guy, bad guy syndrome and nobody is all good and nobody is all bad. And that's, that's another concept that I don't even think you could really associate it to Buddhism. I think, uh, I, th- I think I actually heard it on TikTok, but uh, is, is letting go of that concept that I'm the good guy and that you're, you know, if you disagree, you're the bad guy because that actually gets in the way of being the good guy. You know what I mean? The fact mm. that I see myself as the good guy, seems to uh, make any dissenting opinion an attack on what is good and what is right. Mm -hmm. So in fact, you're actually more combative. You're more evil. You're, I don't want to say evil, but you know what I mean? You're more in that vein of, of, uh, you know, defending yourself uh, when it's not really necessary. It's not that, uh, don't get me wrong, like there is evil in the world. I do feel like there are evil things or evil actions. There are evil people. There are people who are complicit in evil things. Um, but for the most part, most of us, just because you don't see exactly eye to eye on me uh, with me on a topic, doesn't mean we can't be friends. Doesn't mean we can't, uh, you, know, you know, agree to disagree kind of thing. Like there, don't get me wrong, there are some non-negotiables out there mm-hmm. as well. Exactly. But um, you know, by and large, I, I think we're we're spending so much time uh, making everything like an ultimatum. You know what I mean? You're either on this table or you're at that table with the goths and you're not cool like us jocks or you know what i mean like i feel like that's the mentality we're going right back to high school we're going right back to these um you know separate dynamics of of you know where were your parents born how much they make and all these other kind of things i feel like we're allowing um bullshit reasons to subdivide us in ways that are counterproductive for everybody yeah for me like uh for me it's the party systems uh, yeah i agree i only have the choice well in canada you know we have two main ones, one, thir- like a third one's kind of in there and a fourth one that doesn't really do anything in Quebec. There's a, even a fifth one, but in America, like you really have two. Um, and like, yeah, so there's, there's two, uh, the, there was, um, I know you have the libertarians, you have the, yeah, there's a libertarian. There was like, like the tea party, but that got absorbed. Um, there was, uh, when I only have the choice. So I, I always say like, if you're racist, like that's not, that's an ultimatum for me, right? Context yeah. is important. Exactly. That is, that is a classic point. We cannot be friends if you are on that side. Like exactly. that is something I agree. Like, that but is if you thing. are small government, you know, I and I can I can uh, like agree with some of those opinions yeah. on, on for small government. 
But if you're a small government, then you only have the choice to vote for Republican. Like if that's something that's very important to you. Yeah. If you're in Canada with you, you'd be conservative. Um, where, you know, so it's like, okay, well, I, that's really important to me. So I had to vote Republican and then immediately, oh, you're racist. You're this, you're that. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, like, I just don't believe in big government. I'd rather make the choices for myself. That that doesn't make you a bad person. Yeah. That's, and it's funny. I can agree with. Yeah. It's funny. You you actually bring that up because, um, in this most recent election, there were some things, you know, shoot me now. There were some things that, that Donald Trump did that I didn't necessarily find evil. Um, but there was one issue that came down to uh, the, the vote that was um, Donald Trump wanted to cut aid for uh, autism benefits. And, mm. and I was in the middle of a process last year. I started, so my son, uh, he's my six-year-old, he's autistic and he has, uh, he had a lot of tooth decay and it's impossible to find a dentist for uh, one kids and then two in the autism, uh, specialization. Hmm. So, uh, I made an appointment, um, probably last May. Uh, basically it it took like 11 months to get his teeth fixed. Um, you know, and, and, and to try and apply for aid and to try and get him ready for school and to try and get all these things going all at once. Uh, it took forever. And, uh, what it came down to for me was that Biden was going to you know, the, the, the Democrat ticket was going to extend and maybe even broaden some of the benefits for people that have special needs, whereas uh, Trump and, and everything he was doing, they were going to start cutting it. They were actually looking at a point where they were going to give insurance companies the ability. And this is this is through Autism Speak. So, I you know, the, this may not be 100 percent like I'm not a, a advocate for any specific person, but this is information as I got it from the people mm. I got it from. Um, they were saying that. Uh, they were going to cut autism benefits and also give uh, uh, insurance companies the ability to say it's not a pre-existing condition. Ooh. And I'm like, what in the French fried fuck are you talking about? That makes no sense. What could I have done to him or for him to make this better or worse? And, and, and I have a, a three-year-old that's also autistic. And, you know, uh, so you, I don't know if you like the before the COVID vax anti-vax thing, there was the anti-vax in general Mm -hmm. here because like Jenny McCarthy apparently made her kid a superhero or whatever. Uh, Never get your scientific information from a, her or (laughs) anyway. Um, But uh, you know, there was, there was that sentiment. So my six-year-old is entirely on his shot schedule. My three-year-old is not because he had, uh, you know, underlying kidney issues and stuff as a kid. So they had, they have a similar condition. There are different places on the spectrum, but they're, you know what I mean? Like they, it's, they still both need help. They're going to both need help probably for their entire lives. And like you said, like that was, that was the issue for me. Like I, I, I don't care about the economy, about raised fuel prices, about it, you know, whatever the fuck else. I don't care because my son needs to live in a world where he's going to have to have somebody to look out for him long after I'm dead. You know what I mean? Like there's, there's probably going to be a good Delta there between uh, when Jimbo ends and, and my son's name is Norman, when Norman continues on, there's going to be a, um, you know, a time frame in there where he's going to need somebody and to ignore that or to say that it's his fault some way or my fault some way, it doesn't make any sense to me. So yeah, like you said, like there are some things that I agreed with that were, uh, you know, I guess on the, on the conservative side, um, that was the one that came down to me. And a lot of, a lot of guys in the firehouses and stuff wanted to, to argue with me and like, uh, you know, you're, you're a commie and, and those kind of things. And I'm like, you know, fuck it then I'm a commie. Like, so what? Like, that's like, I'm sorry if that, like I said, com- 
being complicit in the tax on selling my stock. Like, I don't care. Like, there's some things that are necessary. There are some things that the government is needed for. Like, you have to have that. And, and again, I think that's one of those middle path mindsets that you, you know, all this side is not necessarily good and all that side is not necessarily good. But, you know, you can kind of grab the good from both and, and kind of make something altogether different. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that that's, that's a problem we're in is, is we're looking at each and every issue that if you're not on my side, you're evil. And that is the problem. And another thing, if we really want to break into, excuse me, if we really want to break into uh, my mindset on, on politics, I think a lot of it comes down to why the fuck do we have somebody who is 90 some years old dictating policy? Like, you know, when, I don't know if you remember like the whole shenanigans over like, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell wanted to give us $600 for our, uh, you know, stimulus to survive off of for like six months. Yeah. I can eat that guy. <laughs> yeah, dude, he looks like a fucking turtle though. For real. Like, can we just admit that? Yeah. Um, but anyway, not to, you know, even if I just heard him, this is separate and different from his looks. Like you are so out of touch with what it means to be here. And as somebody who has perpetually been, you know, lower, I, I don't even know if I could be considered breaking into middle-class, but uh, you know, you're just so fucking out of touch. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm sorry, in my mind, if you have come to serve the government or serve the people and you have not achieved anything of note in the first decade or the first two terms you've been there, uh, what are you going to do with 60 years? Like you're there, you're riding the system. Uh, I, and I don't understand why we just allow that. I, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Like you are obviously not effectively serving the purpose. Why are you here? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, I mean, that, that's a whole discussion Yeah, that's, in itself I, about power yeah. and uh, corruption and, yeah. and everything and the support superiority complex of of everybody but um i do want to transition a bit because i i i want to touch on meditation yeah. before the Let's end of the conversation and i want to know where that fits in with buddhism and why that's an important component meditation is something i find fascinating it's not something i i've tried but you know i know it takes practice i just haven't got into yet but like i have a friend who's into it and yeah. she can bring herself to orgasm by by meditating and lucky it's like I want to do that, (laughs) you know, like if I did that, I wouldn't be able to leave my house (laughs) just all the time. (laughs) There wouldn't be a reason. (laughs) There wouldn't be a reason. I would just go get snacks and Um, hang out in my room. (laughs) I am curious about, you know, this, this practice and you teach it now and you're, you know, you have a certification. I saw you talking about where does this fit in with Buddhism and, and where does this fit in with you personally in your life and what has it brought to you? So uh, meditation um, traditionally was, you know, it's, it's a practice that's been around as long as people. Um, my, my journeys through Google, like I said, everything I do is, is, is an undisciplined journey into a topic. Um, and, and the oldest uh, recorded instance of it that I could find is from about 10,000 BC. And it was uh, from the Indus River Valley people. And it was a depiction of somebody sitting in the traditional, you know, like uh, legs crossed, uh, meditative, uh, stereotypical pose. and um, you know, so it's been around long before the Buddha. The Buddha, uh, if, if you look historically, um, he's lived around, around 500 BC-ish or BCE, however you want to relate that. Um, so it's not something he invented. It's not something he came up with. Uh, it's something that people have been doing for a very long time. Uh, the main purpose of meditation and what I usually tell people in my classes is that uh, meditation is, uh, to quote Thich Nhat Hanh, is is an intimate experience with the present moment. That is what we're after. Mm. Uh, so 
a lot of times, and, and you, know, you will hear this, uh, this analogy given, and it's probably credited to the wrong person all the time. I've heard Lao Tzu credited to, to have said it. I've heard the Buddha. I've heard Osho. But if you think about it, it makes sense overall is that if you spend too much time looking backward uh, on past decisions, on, on past situations, um, that generally equates to depression. You know, too much time looking back. You're, you're, you're very focused uh, in retrospect. If you spend too much time looking forward, then that's when you bridge into anxieties. You're, you're worried about the things that have not yet come or you're worried about the things that have passed, um, but you're denying this whole big swath of things right now. And, and that's what meditation is, is to try and get to, um, you're basically using your brain to examine the present moment as it happens to you. Um, some people think you have to sit down with your legs crossed mm -hmm. and, you know, the full Lotus position. I'm going to tell you now I'm 35 years old. I've been practicing meditation. Um, like I said, since I was 24, I could not Lotus to save my fucking life. You could, like, if it was, if it was Jim Lotus or I'm shooting you, you better just, just count that bullet is gone. Cause I, I can't do it. Uh, I don't bend that way. I'm not flexible like that. Uh, even the, the, the monk that I learned from, we spent more time meditating in a chair than I think I've ever seen anybody like I ever thought was possible. So that's not it either. But like I said, it's, it's more about what you do with your mind than it is about uh, the poses or the specific objects of meditation or those kind of things. Um, one of the uh, eight, eightfold path, like we were talking about earlier, without, like I said, without breaking into a whole nother, we could probably have like a whole thing about this. Um, but it's right concentration. That's one of the things and right, not in the sense of right or wrong, but right is in the sense of this is what somebody, uh, you know, a very accomplished person, a very noble person would do that. That's more what they mean by right. Mm -hmm. um, uh, when you sit down and you examine the, the present moment and you examine, you know, what's going on with yourself. Like I said, that's when you would do those things like we were talking about with your uh, suffering or any emotional state where you're examining the edges of it, like how uh, deep is it? How long is it? All those kind of things. Uh, that is actually sticking with the present moment because you're examining something that's happening now. You're not examining something that, uh, you know, a mistake you, you accidentally called the teacher mom in third grade. Uh, you know, you told the waiter, you too, when they said, have a good meal, you know, those kind of things. You're not worried about those kind of things. You're, you're in the present moment as it's happening, as it's flowing, um, which is a very big part of Buddhism in general, because uh, like I said, we, we tend to, that's how we avoid uh, delusion. That's another big concept in Buddhism is avoiding delusion. And usually when we look too far back or too far forward in our own little timeline and mindset, uh, we're usually embellishing it. You know what I mean? Like the times that happened uh, in the past are usually not as bad as we've built them up to be, mm -hmm. especially not when you're laying in bed at 3 a.m. and it pops into your head. You're like, oh, my God, I can't believe I said that. Well, it probably wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? Or, you know, you're worried about the you know, whatever you have a, a presentation due in the end of the week. Well, you know, so is everyone else that's got that presentation. Like you're not alone. You know what I mean? This is yeah. another one of those universality moments. You know, it's, it's, it's everyone's feeling this, you know what I, I mean? saw, it's I'm sorry not to cut you off, but no, I saw, um, I think it was on TikTok. It might've been on Twitter, but that like your memory is not a replay of what exactly happened. Your memory is an interpretation of what happened. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah right because if you think about it like none of none of the things you remember they're all embellished they're all uh you know to a superlative degree they're all uh the most embarrassing the most you, you know what i mean they're all like very off the wall 
or um, outside of the norm, we'll put it that way. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what uh, meditation is about. It's, it's, it's about centering on the present moment, minding the present moment, and seeing what's happening internally, like your, your, your internal climate, your internal weather. Um, as far as my personal practice, uh, I usually, I, with four kids, it's tough and, and, and you know, shift work schedule. It's hard to have that formal, uh, you know, like avatar-esque sit there, uh, you know, where you sit in some kind of mudra and you have like your hands in some cool pose, gang signs or whatever. Um, I don't always get that. So I usually tend to trend towards a mindfulness practice, uh, which is more mobile. Uh, so basically, instead of sitting down, and traditionally, when you, when you have a seated meditation, it's a serenity meditation. Usually uh, you're focused on your breathing mm-hmm. and, and what that feels like. And, and as thoughts come and go, you, you allow them to come and go. Um, you know, you don't attach to any of them, but you don't force them out. Uh, when you're dealing with mindfulness, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. You can actually sit down, basically the, imagine yourself sitting in the, in the center uh, with five streams passing by and, and you Whatever is most obvious, you pay attention to that at the moment and you, you know, examine it, uh, mentally note it, and then let it go. So, you, again, you don't attach to it. So, um, you know, so when you're going through your day, oh, I, I brushed up against something painful. That's feeling, uh, you know, oh, I heard a loud noise in a car. Like, that's, that's hearing. You, you know what I mean? So you, you take in the experience. Uh, you mentally note it. Um, and some people will even go as far as uh, noting it. And, again, this is getting into the weeds a little bit, but some people will note it as far as it was a sound and uh, it was, you know, pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. You know what I mean? So you can get that far into the weeds or you can just say hearing, seeing, smelling. And these are your mental notes. You keep them very vanilla, very bland Mm. uh, because it helps you to not attach to them. Cause like, you know, if you're driving by the pizza place and you're like, Oh damn, that smells good, man. I really want some mozzarella sticks. Well, then you're caught up in, You've just created like a desire situation because mm. when you go home and you're not having mozzarella sticks, you're going to be annoyed. You know what I mean? Just like we were talking about earlier, you've set up this situation to be, um, you know, you're, you're again, you're the jailer and the jailed in this situation. Um, and, that, and that's what mindfulness is trying to help you break is, is trying to help you move through these moments and move through these experiences um, while observing them, not on autopilot, but allow you to, you know, pick it up. Okay. That's what that is. All right, cool. Next thing. You know what I mean? Like you can examine it, you can move on, you can go on with your life uh, and not attach to it. A lot of people um, think that it has to be centered in the breath and that's not really the case. Um, another, another way that some people will do it rather than trying to, some people, it depends on temperament, but uh, some people can't pay attention to all the, the gambit of, of human experience because for Buddhism, there's the five senses and then there's the mental aspect, which makes the sixth. So the you know, uh, you know, thoughts, concepts, uh, symbols, those kind of things are the sixth uh, sense, if you were to add one. Um, some people like to go the other way and pick one. So uh, I know when I was a mechanic, a, a big part of my practice was uh, because I, di- I didn't have the, the bandwidth to think of a car and think of what's wrong with it and try to fix it. Um, but I could think of my feet. So when I was walking, my, my thoughts were always left, right, left, right left, right. You know what I mean? And, and, and that tended to keep me centered in the present moment, no matter how many people were waiting for their oil changes or, you know, alignments or whatever it was, um, you know, I could in between those jobs, I could come back to left, right, left, right. And that was where it started, you know, breathing and you, you know what I'm saying? So it's, mm-hmm. it's a very um, 
basically the idea is you're trying to become more objective. That's the whole, uh, the whole of meditation. If you were to like pick one word to describe the, the goal of it is to become more objective and less subjective to your life experience. Um, because when we can do that, uh, we're sort of free, you know what I mean? There's, mm-hmm. there's a freedom to that. There's a freedom to, um, that perspective. And that's the idea with, uh, with, with meditation overall. Um, and that's, like I said, I, I find mindfulness, uh, and again, a lot of people associate like woo woo to it and all those kind of mm-hmm. things, but, uh, it, it's, it's a very straightforward practice. It's a very practical, like you said, very pragmatic thing. Um, and a lot of people, um, tend to stick with their stigmas of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And that's, that tends to be the problem, but it's, it's the idea overall is to get with the present moment, to get objective and to just observe. And that's, yeah. that's really the whole of it. I said, that's a lot of words to say such a little thing. <laughs> um, but no, you're right. And even in the mental health, you know, space that I'm in and the mindfulness and meditation are, are a big thing because, you know, it helps give your brain that practice to, yeah. to bring you into that present moment. And, you know, you say woo woo, and I know there is a lot of woo woo in terms of perception, uh, and especially yeah. with the spaces that we're in with like wellness and health and wellness. Yeah. That you know, we yeah, I don't mean that in derogatory because a lot of people very proudly carry that, that oh, yeah, that banner. And I'm not, I don't mean that way, but I just mean as far as uh, in opposition to pragmatism, yes, that, yeah, that's that's but all I mean. We've definitely commercialized it in a way that has yeah. given people a perception, but there's there's rooted science in it. I, I, for like, sure. Last year, I had uh, Erin McLeod, who is uh, an Olympic soccer goalkeeper, and her business partner, Dr. Rachel Linville, who like studies, like has her PhD in studying mindfulness, and like right. we talked about the practical use, and we talked about the research use of mindfulness, yeah. and like the science in it, and like all that. So it's it's you know I, when people see it on TV or in a movie, you know they they have this one sort of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. you know, oh, there's that hippie shit again, like that yeah. stuff. But, oh, look, he's gonna levitate. Yeah, like, but in, in reality, yeah. and I'm glad you said it because I didn't even really know this that there's it's not always centered around your breath. And like that's yeah, what I thought, but there's those moving parts. Yeah, um, so that's uh it just uh, not not to get into the weeds, but uh Buddhism alone actually recognizes uh uh or the Buddha himself named off uh 40 objects of meditation. So there's a world of things you can focus on. It's just, again, to the temperament. And that's kind of where a teacher comes in is, is mm. um, a temperament or what might work for you might not work for me. Um, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's a stereotype. We all, we all have come to accept this for, you know, whatever reasons, probably TV and stuff like that. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's more than you think. Well, and that's, I think the great thing about your unusual Buddha that you're putting you know, a dad with a mustache as a firefighter <laughs> to this, yeah. to this Eastern practice that people, you know, and it, and it shapes their, their perception of it. Um, yeah. I know there were some other things I wanted to talk to you about, uh, but Absolutely. you know, I don't want to keep a dad of four away for too long. So um, <laughs> we'll have to do it again sometime down the road for sure. Absolutely. Have one of these life chats. Cause it's been great. Uh, where can people find you on social media, uh, website, uh, all that stuff to get? Yeah. Uh, so the, the website is the unusual Buddha.com. Um, yeah, it's basically got the, all the links there in the top, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, Facebook's actually the, the biggest presence where we actually started, mm. um, on Instagram. Um, I try a bunch of other stuff. Uh, I actually been working with, uh, and today is the first day we're actually going to record together, but, uh, work on my friend, Dwayne Toops, um, mm. another Twitter he's, he's, friend. He's awesome guy. He's probably one of my favorite uh, 
you know, make believe friends on the internet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, working with him, we're actually going to record today, but uh, we have a podcast, um, you know, similar to how you do say, you know, we use the video for, for YouTube and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, basically everywhere, but the hub is uh, the unusual Buddha.com. And, uh, and that's sort of the, uh, you know, where you can find the latest, I guess that's where I try to keep that up. But uh, as, as, as a one person show trying to spin all the plates, sometimes the, the articles are outdated or, you know what I mean? So trying yeah. to stick with it. Feel, feel that and working dad <laughs> with a big family and yeah kudos for you for for doing it because that's a lot of work but i appreciate uh, this was a lot of fun uh makes me reflect and and really think about things and that's what i i love about these types of conversations so thank you i appreciate it too yeah thank you for having me and and again if you uh if you need anything or you want to chat about anything my my inbox is open and uh let me know beauty man i appreciate that all right have a good one good talking to you Take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes.